heart and soul of a nation, beckons the call. The voice of our forefathers heard in the distance. A house divided against itself cannot stand. To reclaim our honor. honor. Our soul. The challenges of a generation call out. Future generations hang in the balance. We choose liberty. This is the voice of a nation. The nation. The nation. The nation. And now, Malcolm. Hello and welcome to Voice of a Nation. This is Dr. Lee for America in from Malcolm talking today about the assault on our freedom with these unconstitutional mandates for masks and lockdowns and business closures, churches closing. Throughout the pandemic, we have seen governors stepping in and infringing on our right to move around, our right to peaceful assembly, our right to speak. We've had big tech censoring us on all of the platforms and we've seen an assault on medical freedom with doctors being directed to practice medicine according to the medical director of the governor of the state who has no medical training. We are seeing violations of medical practice laws when administrators direct physicians not to prescribe for early treatment for COVID the mask mandates, we are seeing doctors persecuted for not wearing a mask when they are treating COVID patients early successfully. And industrial engineering specialists and OSHA specialists have shown clearly that masks are ineffective at preventing spread of viral particles. So what's this all about? And where are the lawyers who could stand up and help us defend our Constitution and Bill of Rights? Well, that's a question that I, as a physician, have been asking for about the last year. It was in March 2020 on radio interviews that I began calling for plaintiff's attorneys to stand up and help defend the victims, the families who had lost loved ones in nursing homes because the governors of New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania were preventing doctors from treating the nursing home patients early, and we're preventing nursing home administrators from sending their their residents to the hospital for treatment. It was unconscionable. And there has been silence in the house of law, just as there has been silence in the house of medicine. So today, I have an answer for that question. Where are the lawyers? And we are speaking with one lawyer, a man of courage, a man who decided enough is enough, and he stood up and began taking on the states on these unconstitutional orders, many of which violate state constitutions as well as the U.S. Constitution. Thomas Renz is an attorney actually based in Ohio, But through his efforts as one man standing up, he has brought together an amazing network of lawyers, independent doctors, industrial engineering specialists, OSHA specialists, and others, people who have come together to collaborate, combine information, and work together to challenge these 
on constitutional orders state by state and look at what we as a group of we the people can accomplish when we are working together. Tom Renz is working now on a number of lawsuits challenging all aspects of the response to COVID-19. He firmly believes, as, as I do as a physician, that the response, the lockdowns, the mandates, the disruption in our entire country, as well as the massive loss of lives, this response has been far worse than the disease and has been an absolutely egregious violation of the law and our constitution and our fundamental God-given freedoms. Attorney Renz has a long history of fighting for causes in various capacities. He was men mentored by a Nuremberg prosecutor and had the privilege of being the only American to clerk for the Honorable Justice Tarun Chatterjee during his tenure on the Supreme Court of India. Tom Renz feels that the top issues we are facing today are related to medical freedom and the First Amendment. And he is working tirelessly to address those issues every day. I had the privilege of having many discussions with him on these issues, as well as introducing him to a physician whom we interviewed earlier this week, Dr. Stephen Latulip, who had his medical license for suspended because he didn't think it was medically necessary to wear a mask in his office. And the Oregon board, in spite of no harm and no infections in his office and all of his COVID patients recovering, the Oregon Medical Board summarily suspended his medical license and left all of his patients with no doctor. This is just unconscionable. And I'm just grateful that there are attorneys like Tom Renz who is standing up to this assault. Welcome to our show, Tom. Hi, how are you doing, Dr. Lee? I'm doing great. I'm so honored and privileged to have you with us today. I've, I've given an overview to our listeners of all that, that you are doing in the big conceptual picture. So tell us more about how you got started on this journey and what led you to start taking on these issues state by state. Well, so back in January of 2020, I started following this disease. It caught my attention because you know, we kept hearing about this disease out of China and how terrible it was and how dangerous it was. And it was this and it was that. And I've got some background in the health sciences. And I was looking at the numbers because I'm nerdy like that. And, you know, the numbers weren't making sense to me. I mean, we were blowing this disease up as though it was going to be a, a global catastrophe second to none when the numbers were showing that the fatality rates and the, the reproduction rates or spread rates were really not that big of a deal. I mean, you know, realistically, the original SARS and the original MERS were substantially more dangerous than this, but we were really, really panicking about it. And it really just kind of set off alarm bells in my head. So I kept following. Fast forward to March, and they decided that they were going to use this disease, which at that point we'd already we were starting to see that it 
even even those numbers that were already not that dangerous were overinflated. Um, but they were going to use it to take away our freedoms. And that didn't sit well with me. A lot of people say, well, if it's only two weeks to flatten the curve, that's okay. Well, I didn't feel that way. I mean, you can't, if, if your rights don't count in an emergency, then what are they ever going to count? I mean, it's when there's, when there's an emergency, your rights in the Constitution are the most important. So that's a very good point. And I don't think many people were, were thinking of it that way. No, no, they weren't. Everybody's just, oh, well, we get, this is what we got to do for two weeks, you know, whatever. But the thing is, is when you give up your constitutional freedoms, who knows when you're going to get them back? And that's exactly what we've seen. Everybody's willing to acquiesce and say, okay, you know, it's two weeks. We can, we can ignore the Constitution for a couple of weeks. Well, now, guess what? We're a year later and we're fighting to get it back. Well, in some respects, it's been even more egregiously violated over the course of the year as the year has gone on. Certainly. So it's not getting better, it's getting worse. Well, in some places it has gotten substantially worse um, and then better. I'd like to think that we are, we are having an impact. I mean, I do see some, some truth getting out there, but not anywhere near enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, for an entire year, we've just ignored the Constitution on a level that is unthinkable, unprecedented in American history, just mind-blowing. Um, never in American history have we seen a time where the Constitution was summarily suspended in the way that it has been for the entire population of the United States. Now, that's true. And, and I was just thinking, as you said that, that even the colonists, I'm, I'm from Virginia, I actually am descended from people who landed at Jamestown in 1608. Um, so I'm, I'm keenly aware of our early history. And even under the tyranny of King George, the colonists were not subjected to the level of absolute intrusion on their freedom to move around and their freedom to conduct their lives as we have been now, and they were intruded upon enough to rise up and carry out the American Revolution to create an independent country. Well, yeah, I mean, so what's happened to America? Yeah, I mean, well, they had a tea party over a tea tax. I mean, you know, we have uh, people telling you that you have to get a wear a mask, you have to get an intrusive task test to uh, to do anything. Uh, you need to, you got to prove that you're not sick. You have to prove that you're not this, that you're not that. Uh, how is that anybody's business? The government seems to be at this point of the opinion uh, that our rights are a privilege rather than recognizing that their ability to limit our rights are, is you know, very substantial and controlled by the Constitution. I mean, they don't get to tell us, hey, we're going to let you take your mask off because they should have never been able to tell us that we had to put it on. Well, that's exactly right. And you just articulated the fundamental difference between the United States of America as a constitutional republic and all other forms of government. All other forms of government until our founders inspired vision that was the quantum leap, that our rights come from God as our creator. That is the exceptional idea on the, which this country was founded. And you just articulated exactly the point 
that is so different now. The government is telling us our rights are a privilege and they are the ones to decide them and we have no say. Absolutely. That's the core principle. Yeah. I mean, our rights are inalienable. Uh, I mean, there are certain things. I mean, we fought many wars for less than what we're dealing with now, but yet we're just standing aside. And I believe there was a quote to the effect of those that uh, would sacrifice their freedom for security will have neither. And I'm not, it's, that's not verbatim, but it's roughly that. And that's what we've done. Oh, well, if you're going to keep me safe from the flu or the COVIDs or whatever it is, well, you know, uh, we'll give up whatever we need to. Well, guess what? It's not keeping you safe. The lockdowns and, and masks have been proven in science. I've got all the experts together proven to be totally ineffective. The CDC just had a study that came out that showed that they were absolutely useless. And what have you given up for it? Our small businesses are destroyed. Our kids are killing themselves. People are overdosing on drugs like this never before. There's depression across the entire country. I mean, our, our country is one of the most miserable places in the world for no reason other than we didn't have the courage to stand up for our liberty. Well, that's exactly right. And thank you for having the courage to start the legal fight. I, I actually, you know, everyone jokes about the fact that lawyers and doctors don't get along very well. And I have to say, most of my medical career, I lived in fear of lawyers persecuting me. But um, <laughs> I, I, I've been calling for lawyers and legal help for this last year on the medical front because we, we as physicians were so persecuted for early treating, early treatment of COVID patients and going against the uh, Emperor Fauci on the fact that he was saying there's no treatment, wait for the vaccine, which is hogwash. We've had early treatment all along. And the Chinese knew that back in the fall of 2019 and beginning of 2020. So the first, the first thing that we've challenged, and this is the thing that we're challenging in a number of states, is that there's an emergency. We don't believe there is. We don't believe there's ever been one. Um, and if there's no emergency, then the states don't have the power to act as little tyrants. Uh, the state governors are running around uh, calling themselves emperors. They're ignoring the state legislatures. They're ignoring all the pr- different principles of separation of powers. And they're doing it under the guise of emergency. But an emergency is something that happens. It's unexpected. And you deal with it or move on. COVID, according to everyone we've talked to and everyone, I mean, even Fauci himself has said COVID's here to stay. It's not going anywhere. That means it's not an emergency, so you don't have emergency powers. So we need to get back to to freedom. And freedom means that, okay, we've got COVID. If I want to stay in my house or lather myself in uh, hand sanitizer or whatever I want to do, well, that's my right. If I don't, well, that's my right too. Uh, you know, we live in a country where I can jump out of a perfectly functioning airplane for the sake of using a parachute, but somehow it's not my right to take a risk to get a cold. I mean, I, I, God forbid I would take a risk of getting a disease that has a 99% recovery rate. I, it just makes no sense. Well, that's exactly right. And that 99, actually 99.97 recovery rate for people under 45 has been, has held steady pretty much over the the year that we've been facing 
the SARS-CoV-2 virus or the illness of COVID-19. It's the high risk patients over age 50 with medical comorbidities that are at risk for serious complications with this virus. But all of those are treatable if we start in the first three to five days of symptoms. And we have a multi-drug sequenced algorithm using antivirals, uh, anti-infectives, anti-inflammatories, anticoagulants, nutraceuticals that works. It's, keep, it's better than 90% effective, far better than the effectiveness that have been reported with the vaccines. And we question some of those numbers. But so, so even the high risk people, Dr. Zelenko showed that early on and many other frontline doctors, those of us treating people early have, have not had the illnesses and deaths that have been driving fear into the hearts of Americans and around the world. So the part that's high risk is treatable and the rest of the population is low risk. As you say, why do we need the government to protect us from the risk of getting a cold? when we can decide to go skydiving and jump out of an airplane with a parachute. You're absolutely right. That's a great analogy. So go forward with what you decided to do about it. Well, we, we needed to do something about this. And, you know, one of the problems we saw is when this happened, there were a lot of early cases, but they were all asking the state or the, the courts to look at this um, in a different way. One of the things that we said and that we believe is that, you know, if there's a real emergency, a real emergency, I would say a tornado's come through your town, power lines are down, and you want to tell the kids to stay inside so they don't step in a, in a mud puddle and get electrocuted. Okay, that's an emergency. Two or three days later, everything's cleaned up and you go back to life. No one is going to suggest that constitutionally or otherwise, the state doesn't have a right to to do something about that. I mean, we're all willing to deal with that. The problem is, is that that is a very limited right. It is a very, very, very limited right. Uh, a lot of the early cases, we saw things that weren't recognizing that. And what they were doing is they were conceding certain facts that are untrue. They're saying, well, you know, yeah, we know this COVID, it's killing everybody and it's this, that, and the other, but you know, you just can't do this. Well, that's not, that's not correct. My, my analysis on this legally is that under the 10th Amendment, you know, the state does have police power. And there are certain times where the state can exercise emergency powers, and we want them to be able to do that. But those are very limited, and they must be limited. And they're always open for judicial review. So what we did was we looked at the facts and said, listen, the facts don't support that there's an emergency. You can't do this. You shouldn't have been doing this from the beginning. There was never an emergency that justified what we were doing. Uh, the curve was based on garbage science from a very, very poor scientist who has a long track record of being wrong on everything. Um, the, the idea that this disease was going to be the end of humanity was always absurd. None of the numbers ever supported what they did. And so we said, listen, there's no, there's no facts to support this emergency. And if there's no facts to support this emergency, the law doesn't let you exercise those special, special powers that you have under the 10th Amendment reserved for absolute crises. You know, so, so that's kind of the approach that we've been taking on some of this. We're, we're hitting this from a number of other angles as well, but that really is one of the major differences in our approach as opposed to some other stuff that's been done. Well, where does the 
the lawsuit in Ohio stand now. When we first talked, it had been filed and you and I both have been busy and I have not asked you where that stands. Yeah, so we in the, we filed the emergency suit in Ohio, New Mexico, and Maine. Uh, we're, we're in the process of refiling the Ohio suit. Uh, the judge had asked for some things to be done differently, and it's a case of first impression. So uh, we're working our way through what the courts want to see. Rather than risking any sort of a bad precedent on such an important case, we decided to pull, and we're going to pull that and refile it a little bit differently based on the new information. The New Mexico case is, uh, I believe we just, within the last hour, uh, received notice that uh, there's been a response to a 12B motion by the state. And so we'll be waiting for the judge to make a ruling on that, hopefully very soon. Uh, assuming we get past the 12B there, we, sh we should get to discovery. And I'm very excited for discovery. Discovery is the one thing that they are fighting so hard to, to prevent us from getting. Um, Would you explain to our listeners why that is? I mean, I, you and I understand it, but I'd really like our listeners to understand why the opposition, those that try to, are trying to control our freedom, absolutely want to prevent discovery in any of these lawsuits. Yeah, so the, the state's doing everything it can to avoid us getting to discovery. And what discovery is, is discovery is where we get to ask the state and all the people who are doing this to produce evidence. And that evidence has to be given under oath. So if you lie in that, you're committing perjury, you go to jail. Uh, you can get in real trouble for that. So discovery is super important because what do we have is we have these guys coming on TV and lying through their teeth every single day, telling us all this stuff, intentionally misleading the public. They can't do that during discovery because if they do that during discovery, they could, they could potentially end up in jail. So discovery is huge. The other thing they can't do is they can't deny FOIAs. They can't deny records requests. As long as information is relevant to the case, they have to give it. Well, our case is saying there's no emergency. So that means there's a lot of information that they have to give. We're going to get as much of it as we can. And then we're going to make it public, as public as we can make it because the public has a right to know the truth about this data and this information. You know, the states and the health departments and the CDC, all these people have been lying or hiding this data endlessly. And they, you know, even the numbers, the numbers of deaths are misleading. Everything about this has been intentionally misleading. So we'll get to the real data, the real truth of this, once we get to discovery. And my intent is to make it absolutely as public as humanly possible all over the universe so that everybody can see. And, you know, it's interesting because they're fighting tooth and nail to prevent us from getting to discovery. And my question keeps coming back to, well, if you don't have anything to hide, why are you trying so hard to hide it? That's exactly right. And there's, I hope our listeners will get busy on the phone and start contacting legislators in Ohio, New Mexico, and Maine, where you have filed these suits on behalf of the freedom of the citizens of those states and stand up and express your views that you want this case heard and you want the information made public as they are entitled to have. I, I uh, Listeners out there, 
it's time for you to stand up. It's time for you to get loud along with those of us that are fighting on your behalf in medicine and law. Get loud, speak up, talk to your local elected officials, mayors and city councils and state legislators. Let's, let's get this ball going with some support from the citizens in all of these states where attorney Renz and his network of team members in medicine and other experts are working together to help you regain your freedom. Ohio, New Mexico, and Maine. And I understand, Tom, which I'd like to talk more about after the break, but I understand that you are beginning to work on lawsuits in other states as well. And perhaps you are at a point where you could share some of that information with us. Some of it obviously is in the planning stage and you may not be able to share it with our listeners, but to the extent that you can, I'd like you to talk about that and talk a little bit more about the legal process and what kinds of data you and I are aware of that's there that, that they are hiding from the public because they're certainly lying when they get up and talk about there's no treatment for COVID. We all know there is, and those of us doctors that have been using it know how well it works. So let's talk more about that after the break. This is Dr. Lee for America, and we're going to take a short pause right now. We'll be back in a moment with Attorney Renz after the break. Our global experts are brilliant writers and engaging hosts on a mission of a lifetime. You'll find the latest news and inspiration on the front page of AmericaOutloud.com. Now, never before in our history have we witnessed the level of hatred that is now being waged against our law enforcement. While anarchist groups create havoc and overwhelm our first responders, these same groups and their corporate supporters are calling for the police forces to be shrunk and defunded. What can you and I do to make a difference? How can we stand up for what is right and to show our support? That's what I'm going to tell you about this incredible new platform. It's called ShopToTheRight.com. And it's a new shopping platform that will help you find businesses that align with your values. They feature products made in America. They support veteran-owned businesses as well as our law enforcement community. This is a time when we need to stick together. We need to shop together and we need to support each other. It's time for you and I to make some noise and stand up to protect our country. And one easy way to do that is to shop and give our money to companies that don't seek to destroy our way of life. So join the fight for liberty. ShopToTheRight.com. Support those American businesses that support law enforcement and veterans. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
Listen to Malcolm, the voice of a nation, on iHeartRadio or our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. Welcome back to Voice of a Nation. This is Dr. Lee for America, standing in for Malcolm. And we are talking today with attorney Tom Renz, who has filed multiple lawsuits in several states trying to prevent the assault on our freedom with the unconstitutional mandates, mask mandates, lockdowns, and other intrusions on our freedom. Had some wonderful interactions with him over the last six to eight months, and I'm pleased to share his work with our listeners today on Voice of a Nation because Voice of a Nation was founded on the principle of this is a battle between the forces of good and evil for the soul of America and the fabric that makes America great. This show was founded on that principle by Malcolm over two years ago, and we are at a point of massive destruction of our freedom in this war between the forces of those who would control us and those of us who seek liberty as God intended for our country. So attorney Renz is one of the courageous warriors fighting on this front. Welcome back, Tom. Glad to have you back with us and tell us more about where things are. Well, thank you so much. So there's a lot happening right now. Uh, we're, we're starting to see some of the states uh, lift sanctions, lift lockdowns, lift things. And so naturally the strategy always shifts along with the situation. So we're getting ready. We're still doing a number of emergency cases because they're definitely necessary and we're working in a number of states. We're also looking at some of the other cases that may be necessary. Um, One of the things that's happening is that right now we're seeing a lot of talk about forced vaccination with an untested vaccine um, and things like that. So we're looking into some of that. Um, We're also looking at some of what's going on with the censorship related to this. Uh, You know, if we can't get the truth out, that's a big issue. So we're looking at that. But, you know, the first thing we've got to do is we've got to get our freedoms back and we've got to prioritize our time. Unfortunately, there's so few attorneys that are doing this uh, that the demand is just far exceeds the supply. Now, we've got a great team of attorneys, and I'm privileged to be working with some incredible people now. The, the demand is still far, far, far greater than the supply. And it's my hope that, that as time goes on, we'll be able to get some more attorneys involved with this. That's really exciting to hear, particularly with the issue of the employers and other entities beginning to coerce and, and require the COVID vaccines, people don't understand that. And, you, and I'd like you to explain more about this because you were mentored by a Nuremberg prosecutor, but people do not understand that following the Nuremberg trials after World War II, the code that was developed has prevented governments from forcing experimental medical treatments on people without full informed consent. And what most Americans are not being told, in other words, they're not being given full informed consent. 
about the vaccines is that they are not FDA approved. They are only being available on an emergency use authorization, which is an emergency authorization based on very limited data. In this case, two months of clinical trial versus more than two years is what was planned. And the vaccines are still investigational, experimental, biological agents. They fall under those guidelines for an experimental agent. And people are being told that the vaccines prevent infection, that they prevent spread, that they reduce hospitalizations and death. None of that is, is true based on the clinical trial data. They simply reduce the severity of symptoms. So I'd like you to address that issue whether, whether or not there's a lawsuit pending right at the moment is less the point than our listeners need to understand the legal aspects of how that infringes on their rights when these are classified by the FDA as experimental agents. Yeah, well, and that's really critical, right? Because this is most certainly experimental. Now, I want to clarify something. Somewhere people got the idea that uh, I've had my family use this vaccine. Um, I'm going to be real honest with you. Hell will freeze over before my kids are experimented on. Um, we have not had the COVID vaccine and we will not get the COVID vaccine. That said, let me tell you where I come from on this. Um, I'm not a traditional anti-vaccination person. In fact, uh, with the exception of the COVID vaccine, my family has been vaccinated with most of the other stuff. Now, I didn't even know medical freedom was a thing until a little over a year ago, until this got going. Uh, what I, so I'm not coming from this, at this from a long history of being against the vaccine industry. What I am doing though, is I'm, I'm using what I know. And what I know is we have an experimental vaccine out there. And you mentioned Nuremberg. Well, you're right. They barred after, after World War II using people as test subjects without permission and informed consent because it's, it's horrible. I mean, that's, Hitler was doing that. So that's how bad it was. Uh, now, what they're doing here is you've got a vaccine that everybody was told we have to have this ready immediately. And, and uh, you know, President Trump did Operation Warp Speed because everybody was saying, we've got to have a vaccine, we've got to have a vaccine. So he did, he, he got us a vaccine. Except for the scientists who put it out have been lying through their teeth from the beginning. First of all, it's not a vaccine. You know, a vaccine is something that you, you inject. Uh, I Originally it was, and you can correct me on this, you know, it was you inject half dead cells from a virus and let your body develop some immunity to it. And that's how we got dealt with smallpox, right? Um, now what we have is we have this experimental chemical goulash, I guess, for lack of a better term, that's been put together. And uh, it was put together under the emergency use authorization to reduce the severity of symptoms, not to inoculate you, not to prevent you from ever getting the disease, but to reduce the severity of symptoms. That's what it was designed for. So the idea that it's a vaccine in the traditional sense is not really true. The other thing is, is it, was, it was certainly 
not fully tested. But vaccine development takes years, years of testing. There have been no long-term tests because it's literally impossible to do a long-term test unless you have long-term to do it. This was developed at Operation Warp Speed. It was developed quickly. So, you know, this isn't something where we've had years of testing and we, we know, you know, what this does. Instead, it's something that we threw together as quickly as we could without testing because we were trying to save the world from this crisis disease, except for the crisis didn't exist. Well, you know what, if you want to take this and you've been given, you truly have been given the information and you want to give informed consent, I have no problem with that. Go ahead. The problem is, is they're not get, providing informed consent. They're lying through their teeth about this. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. Anyone that says this is safe and effective is either a liar or an idiot. Because you can't say that. It was not tested on pregnant women. We don't know the impacts. It was not tested for all sorts of long-term effects because there wasn't long-term. It was not tested in so many ways. There was a, a very small series of tests barely forming any sort of a scientific basis of a, in terms of the studies that were done that uh, arguably you know, made the case that this should have been approved under emergency use. It was not demonstrated to be safe and effective long-term. It was not demonstrated to be safe and effective for everyone. There are a number of people that they openly admit should not take this, but you don't hear that on TV. They lie. They mislead the public. Everybody should get the vaccine. Well, no, no. There are certain people that we know if you get this, you will have very bad reactions. So it shouldn't be done by everybody. It should be done by the people who have been given informed consent, whose doctors have reviewed all of the relevant information, decided whether or not it's safe and effective for them. And, you know, and even then, I just, there's so many issues with this. It's so corrupt. Um, you know, and the idea that we're going to force it on people is sickening because it is experimental. Uh, we have not done what's necessary. It's not even been authorized by the FDA except for under emergency use. And where's the emergency? Well, you're, that's the fundamental question. If you have an illness that is 99.97 recoverable for people under 45 without medical risk and is over 90% treatable with early treatment in the first week of symptoms, as we have shown with the high-risk patients unequivocally, then it comes down to the point that there is no medical emergency. The emergency may be on the part of the pharmaceutical companies and the NIH and CDC and FDA agencies and the individual's employees who benefit from the patent royalties and the money that comes in from these vaccines. But, but that is not a medical emergency for the population of the United States. And I'm very glad that you made two, two key points here. Number one, you're not anti-vaccine across the board. Selectively, you've gotten them. And I am the same way. I've, I've never been anti-vaccine. I am anti-forced vaccination, but I have gotten vaccines in the past and I will do so in the future if it's appropriate. But an experimental vaccine that is causing serious complications and adverse events that are running a hundred times the flu vaccine rates 
and has already caused over 2,000 deaths in the short time they've been used, and all of that's being hidden from the public, I think is unconscionable, and it clearly goes to the point you were just raising. So what type of lawsuit might be possible on this front? I think there's a number of lawsuits that could be uh, filed on this. And, you know, honestly, it's a matter of time and resources. We're getting to them as fast as we can. But like I said, our resources are limited and our time is gone. Um, But, you know, I think it's really important for people to understand something. So I can't give specific legal advice on any issue. So this is just a general opinion that I have. But it is my opinion Uh, that it is very clear under the law that you cannot mandate an emergency uh, emergency use authorized drug. So anybody that tells you that it's going to be mandated, they can't do that. Now, that's for government mandates, in my opinion. Uh, Now, the question is, is what about these private employers? And here's what I'm thinking. To me, there's several things you got to do. First of all, I would say that there's probably uh, a religious and medical exemption. So if a private employer is going to tell you you have to get this vaccine and you have either a religious objection to it or a medical objection to it, it would be my belief that you probably would be able to say, no, I'm not doing it. And it would probably be discrimination uh, if if they tried to force it. I also think that uh, these employers that are pushing this should be aware of the fact that if they, if they try and force you or coerce you into taking this, this drug that is not approved by the FDA and you have a bad reaction, I'm going to tell you, I would be happy to take the case to sue that guy, that employer, if you happen to have a bad reaction to it. Because if you're going to try and force someone into taking something that's not necessarily safe, I would say that that's certainly a a cause of injury. Uh, And I I would say those uh, employers are risking an awful lot of liability on this. And that liability is something that the manufacturers of this drug don't have to deal with because they're indemnified. Under the law, you can't sue the manufacturers of these vaccines. It doesn't matter if you get the vaccine and fall over dead immediately, you can't do anything about it because that's what we've done. But if the employer is forcing you to take the vaccine and you you get it and you get sick from it, well, then I think there might be a lawsuit there. We'll see what what happens. But I certainly would urge people who are being forced to to contact any lawyer that they can get to have that has the courage to take the case and uh, you know ask them about it because this is not approved. This is not an approved drug. It's approved under emergency use. And I would say even if it was approved. There's a real question as to whether or not they can they can uh, mandate it uh, as part of your employment, and uh, yeah, I intend to I intend to challenge that stuff coming up. Well, I think that's absolutely urgently needed. I've already had patients who had gone ahead and gotten the vaccine. I didn't know that they were planning to do that, and have had very serious complications. We know that the these experimental vaccines are using a new technology that involves lipid nanotechnology, which is driving the vaccine across the blood-brain barrier. And that's not been true of past vaccines. That is an explanation for why we're seeing so many neurological complications 
of these vaccines, including ascending paralysis, which is uh, the Guillain-Barre syndrome. And I interviewed a doctor this week um, on this show who has a background in neurologic complications of Lyme disease and COVID. And he is seeing that after people get vaccinated, same kind of complication. And those are exactly the kinds of things that bring us to your point you made earlier that patients wanting the vaccine should sit down with their physician and go through their individual risk benefit assessment based on their medical history. That's not being done in these mass drive-through vaccine centers. And I'm encouraging my patients at least have an appointment with me. Let me go over your medical risk, the things that have been a problem for you in the past, what medical conditions you have that set you up for a greater risk of having an adverse event with the vaccine, and what your other options are to prevent illness. We, we have many other options besides getting a vaccine, and people are not being told about any of that unless their physician is very proactive and encourages them to set up time to do that for each patient. Well, I think one of the things that when you're talking to your doctors about this vaccine you should do is you should ask them about the risks associated with the product. And if they say there aren't any, um, well, they're, they're either stupid or lying. Uh, and in either event, I'd talk to someone else. There are risks. And one of the things that's interesting is under the law, uh, one of the require, requirements for, under the conditions for authorization of, a, of an experimental drug like this um, is that the healthcare professionals administering the product must be fully informed of significant known and potential benefits and risks and that it's an emergency use. And if there are any alternative products available, what they are and those benefits and risks. So I don't think this is happening at all. Um, I think that a vast majority of doctors, particularly those working for the big hospital systems that are making a massive amount of money off of this, are, are just being told it's safe and effective, get, get it into people's arm. Well, I'm, I'm fairly certain that when we have these max vac vaccination sites around the country, that you know the people who are just jamming that needle into one arm after the next, yeah, I mean, this whole thing is not being done in accordance with the law. This whole thing is being done to jam as many vaccines into people as possible, as quickly as possible for a disease that isn't killing anybody. And you have to ask yourself, why would we ignore the law when it's so plain and clear for something? And, and again, you know, I hope that, uh, frankly, Dr. Lee, I hope you're wrong. I hope all these other doctors I'm working with are wrong. And that two years from now, it turns out that this was truly safe and effective. I don't think you're gonna. I think you guys are gonna be dead on right. But I hope you're wrong. And you know, then we don't have to worry about it. But I think the problem is, is even if you are wrong, we're not doing this according to the law. Even if no, we're, we're not. We're absolutely not. And that was that has been made clear in spades. You are so correct, and I want to reemphasize what you just said. We the people at these mass vaccine centers who are 
injecting one person after another with these vaccines are not going through all of the full informed consent. They are not qualified to make a medical risk assessment for that individual person. They are not physicians. And that is what patients need when you're dealing with an experimental agent with limited data and no long-term experience, you have got to look at the person's medical risk and that's not being done. So regardless of what may turn out to be long-term safety and effectiveness, the fundamental principle you just stated is what's happening and that is so dangerous. We're not following existing regulatory processes that have always been done in rolling out new medicines and new vaccines. It's, it's a huge, huge problem legally and medically. I, I couldn't agree more. And why? I think we all got to ask ourselves why. Why would we just be doing these things without any consideration as to the risk? You know, why are we so eager to do this? Like I said, we know there's no question that we have a 99 plus percent recovery rate for this disease. Okay. We know that this disease mathematically is roughly as dangerous as the seasonal flu. So why? Why would we be pushing an experimental drug so hard when there's no need? Why aren't we out there telling everybody, my God, this isn't as dangerous as we thought. If this was a true, true, uh, if the people behind this truly believed that they were doing this to save people and it was in their best interest, if they truly believed that this was a dangerous disease and it was going to kill, well, now that we know, using their numbers, not mine, that this disease has a less than a 1% uh, you know, fatality rate. It, why aren't we screaming that from the house stops and saying, you know what, let us have the time to truly study this vaccine before you guys all take it and, and get some sort of a terrible secondary infection. By the way, uh, just so that everybody's hearing this, it's very, very important for you to know, and I don't think I've heard this enough, the, the risks of this vaccine are not the headache and the sickness you get for two days afterwards, right? The real risks, according to a lot of my doctors, come a year or even two years down the road because it takes time for it to get through your entire system and, and to, to do what it does in your body. So you, you may be next year having complications and you don't even know what's going on. You just seem like, oh man, I'm getting sick from this or sick from that. And the reality is going to be that it was actually because you decided to screw up your body by taking this vaccine where, that had no long-term studies. And what they're going to say is, oh, it's just a new, more virulent strain of COVID that's hitting you. Or, oh, you just had bad luck and got cancer. Well, that's, that's fine and dandy, except for the real reason may end up being from this untested vaccine that could be doing these things and we don't know yet. Well, I think those are those are very good points. And those are points being raised by many of the vaccine experts that I personally have been talking with and learning from and working with. We, we simply don't know. And I think for the, the bottom line for the listeners to me is if there is something that you are being pushed to get immediately when your questions are not being answered, then 
take a break, pause, find out why you're not getting the answers that you deserve and are entitled to. There is no ethical physician in medicine who should be pushing a patient to do something that they're not ready to do and still have questions about. None of us should be doing that. And I just think people need to slow down, take a deep breath and not panic and realize there are other options and talk with a knowledgeable doctor. If your doctor isn't up to speed or has been directed by the administrators where they work, not to discuss these issues and find someone who's independent and who will. Tom, before we um, begin to wrap up today, there's really a question I'd like to ask you to address in concept. And I realize, and we're not asking you for a specific legal opinion, but in concept, what options do doctors have who are being persecuted by medical boards in a variety of states for not following political guidelines when the medical boards are set up to protect the safety of the public from doctors who are practicing bad medicine, causing harm, or are flagrantly dangerous. And yet medical boards are intervening in multiple states. We've had doctors in multiple states being threatened with either loss of license or losing their license simply because of political mandates being violated. Could you just comment in general about whether that is truly legal and what some of the options might be for doctors who may be listening to the program? Well, listen, if you're a doctor, you're an expert, right? I mean, you've got the training, you're as qualified as any other expert. A politician telling you how to treat your patients, I mean, that's, that's a, a tortious interference possibly. Um, I mean, there could be all sorts of issues there, including defamation, right? So if, if the medical board's saying that you're, you're putting people at risk, well, you know, you're a doctor. You've got as much uh, opinion on this as anybody, probably, probably more so than some of these people who, who really don't know what they're talking about. But, you know, ultimately, I would urge you to fight that hard. Don't give in. Don't let them take your license. Uh, take a stand. You know, for some reason, we've decided that the only people who are experts are people who agree with what the, the people that have money want them to say. Okay, so I mean, I don't understand why it is that anybody would say, well, listen, you graduated from med school, I graduated from med school, we had the same degree, we have the same background, we have the same course of study, somehow my expertise is better than yours, uh, even though we're, we're qual our qualifications are the same. And, you know, I think you should wear a mask. So if you don't, you're harming your patients. That's absurd to me. That's absolutely absurd. Why? Because the governor said so? I mean, if you look at the science on these mass studies, and we've had, we've had industrial hygienists, actual engineers and scientists who, who really do understand this, look at it, they're garbage. Masks don't work. They actually increase your likelihood of infection from bacterial issues. That's the dumbest aspect of this whole thing. So if you're getting hit by a mask thing or, you know, for not wanting to push the vaccine or for looking for other things, you need to find an attorney with some spine that will stand up for you. You need to say, no, I don't care. Even if I'm close to retirement, I'm not letting them take my license on this because they shouldn't. And, you know, I would look at defamation lawsuits. I'd look at free speech lawsuits. 
I look at all sorts of lawsuits. Um, and we're looking at a couple other lawsuits we and my team are to, to try and limit some of this from happening because it's garbage. It's absolute garbage. And I think more importantly for your listeners is ask yourself this, why are they trying so hard to oppress, suppress the, the opinions of qualified experts? Why? What are they afraid of? Well, that's exactly right. And whenever someone is trying to suppress the expression of knowledgeable opinions, you can be sure there's some agenda that does not bode well for people in general. So we need to be careful about that. But also the whole issue of politicians and politically appointed or elected people making medical decisions in a vacuum without training and censoring doctors is in itself inherently dangerous. So that in itself is more dangerous than what they're accusing doctors of doing by trying to inform people of different opinions. And in addition to that, we also have the whole issue of this is persecution of independent doctors. You don't see the medical boards going after physicians who work for large groups and who are following what the administrators tell them to do. So that's a whole separate issue and maybe another program. So as we are coming to the end of today's show, Tom, I really want to thank you for being with us and presenting the legal perspective on this assault on our freedoms. Any final words for our listeners before we wrap up? Please. Please stand up for yourselves. Support us at Make Americans Free Again and Ohio Stands Up. Uh, or if yeah, you're a local group, but please Make Americans Free Again and Ohio Stands Up. Help us. Help us help you by standing up and saying enough is enough. Do something. Don't wait for someone else to get to earn your freedom back. You need to help with this. It's too big. Absolutely. And for those of you that would like to contact Attorney Renz, his website is www.renz-law.com. Thank you for listening to Voice of a Nation today. This is Dr. Lee for America, standing in for Malcolm, signing off for a day. Your freedoms are at stake. This is your life, your health, and your freedom. Get involved, get loud, don't sit back and wait for someone else to do it. Get loud and speak up. Help us all make the world a better place around us.